0: Well, today is part two of our series called 24 a Day with God. And last week I was talking to you about how we're basing this show off the TV show 24. And many of you said that uh, maybe it wasn't your favorite show that you've ever seen. Not a lot of you were following along. So let me tell you a little bit more about the particular show. The main character is played by Kiefer Sutherland. He plays this guy by the name of Jack Bauer. And Jack Bauer and his team, they're constantly just doing anything and everything they can to stop the bad guys and in nine seasons now that the show has been on the air jack bauer and the the team have done all kinds of things they've stopped presidential assassinations they have stopped weapons of mass destruction from going off in los angeles they've stopped terrorist attacks cyber attacks they've had to deal with government corruption business corruption i mean These guys get a lot done in a 24-hour period because, again, every season is only one day in the life of Jack Bauer in this team. And some have criticized how Jack Bauer goes about doing this because he'll, like, torture people to get information. He'll kill people to get information. And some people say, well, that's, like, really, really bad. He shouldn't be doing that. And then there's other people that say, this is the baddest dude that's ever been on TV. And so I found a top ten list of things that Jack Bauer has done in his time, and hopefully you'll enjoy this. Here's one of them. Uh, Withholding information from Jack Bauer is now classified as a suicide attempt. Number two, passed out, surrounded by terrorists and nerve gas, and handcuffed to a table leg, Jack Bauer laughed to himself and said, ha, I've got him right where I want him. Number three, the city of Los Angeles once named the street after Jack Bauer in gratitude for his having saved the city several times. They had to rename it, though, after people kept dying when they tried to cross the street because no one crosses Jack Bauer and lives to tell about it. (laughs) Number four, if Jack Bauer, one of the main characters in any of those CSI shows, he'd have the entire crime solved by the first commercial break. Five, Jack Bauer once forgot where he put his keys. He then spent the next half hour torturing himself until he gave up their location. Six, upon hearing hearing that he was played by Kiefer Sutherland, Jack Bauer killed Kiefer Sutherland because Jack Bauer gets played by no man. Seven, Spider-Man wears Jack Bauer pajamas when he goes to bed. Eight, Jack Bauer once arm wrestled Superman. The stipulations were that the loser had to wear his underwear on the outside of his pants. Number nine, Jack Bauer made his mother eat his vegetables for him when he was a kid. And finally, have you noticed that there have been no terrorist attacks in the United States since Jack Bauer first appeared on television? So this is a guy that gets a lot done in 24 hours. My question to you this morning is this. What about you? Do you get a lot done in the 24 hours that God gives you every single day? Or would you say that life is just sort of floating right by. That's really what this whole series is about, is how can you maximize the day that God has given you? How can you get the absolute most out of it? Last week, I gave you the foundation of what a, a really good day looks like. And today, what I want to do is talk about the morning hours. What would it look like to maximize your morning for God? Now, let's start with this way. How many of you would classify yourself as a morning person? Raise your hand. Let me see you raise your hand. So you're like really perky in the morning. You know, all the Today Show hosts by name. You know, you're just like really energized and you're, you're doing your thing. But then by like nine o'clock at night, you're hallucinating because you're so tired, right? Uh, yeah, some of you like that. Yeah, you're, you're morning people. Just out of curiosity's sake. How many of you get up at 7 a.m. in the morning? Let's see, 7 a.m. How many of you get up at 7? How many of you get up at 6 a.m.? 6 a.m.? Wow. How many of you get up at 5 a.m.? Whoa, 5 a.m. If you get up before 5 a.m., you better be milking something. All right, that's all i got to say. But, I mean, it's re- ridiculous. Wow. Wow. I, on the other hand, am the opposite. If I had my way, I'd get up at the crack of noon, okay? I mean, it's just I just love to sleep, in. I'm, I'm what might be considered a night owl. But what I want to say to you this morning as we, we start this is whether you consider yourself a morning person or a night owl, God doesn't really, he's not concerned with that. When we talk about the morning hours here today, what I'm really talking about is whenever the morning starts for you. We're going to talk about taking a couple minutes to to spend some time with God. And again, if that's at 4 a.m., then do it at 4 a.m. If it's at 10 a.m., then do it at 10 a.m. So it doesn't really matter when your day gets started. But God does want you to maximize his time, and he wants you to spend uh, some time with him each and every day. So let me make three assumptions about all of you here today. The first one would be this. First assumption is you want to be connected to God. You know how I know that? You wouldn't be here today if you didn't want to be connected to God. Assumption number two, sometimes you have problems connecting with God. It feels like your prayers are just like bouncing off the ceiling. You don't really feel close to Him, and you need some help sort of jump-starting your relationship with Him. Number three, I'll make this assumption, that there are some of you that are here today that you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. You're not connected to God, but you're sort of fascinated by this whole Christianity thing, and you're like, okay, if I wanted to get connected to him, what would that look like on sort of a daily basis? Now, if any of those three assumptions were true about you, that you want to be closer to God, you want to have a more deep and intimate relationship with God, that sometimes you don't feel connected to God, or maybe that you're just here sort of investigating what God's all about. If any of those three are true of you, would you just raise your hand up here today? Yep. Good, that's all of you. I didn't have a backup plan, so I'm glad that... I'm glad that you said that. That, That's what I want to talk to you about here today. So here's our big thought. If you're taking notes there on your outline this morning, here it is, the big thought. I will have a better life if I spend at least a small amount of time with God each morning before I leave the house. Again, whenever your day starts, I don't care when your day starts, I don't care when it is that you actually end up leaving the house I believe that your day would be much, much better if you spend at least a small amount of time every single day connecting with God. And so what I want to do in this message is give you just a couple of ways that you can connect with God a little bit better. So number one there, and this is what we just sang about. Number one, you need to shout it. Shout it. That is, you've got to acknowledge God for who he is. What I mean by this is simply every single morning, as soon as your eyes open up, take just a couple of seconds to acknowledge God, to say, good morning, God, thank you for giving me another day here on the earth. Thank you for allowing me the the privilege to serve you. Just acknowledge him in those first couple moments. Now, I got to admit to you that this is a hard one for me because whether, you know, it's me waking up on my own or through that invention of the devil called the alarm clock, when I open my eyes, the first thing that my mind wants to do is jump to my agenda. Here's what I have to do today. And so it's taken me a while to sort of learn this, that as soon as my eyes open up, I've just got to simply shout it. I've got to acknowledge God. The God, it's not about me. It's all about you. So When I'm saying shout it here, I don't mean literally shout it unless you want to get in trouble with your spouse because, you know, it's (laughs) going to wake them up. I'm saying just be conscious those first couple of seconds to say, God, this is your day. And I'm here to serve you, not the opposite way around. You are truly God. Again, that's what we we just sang about that. Shout it, go on, tell it from the mountains that he is God. Well, before you can tell other people that he is God, you first have to recognize yourself that he is God. Internalize that for yourself. So what I'm saying is before you even swing your feet over the side of the bed, just spend a little bit of time with him. Not a long time, just 10, 15, 20, 30 seconds or so acknowledging him. Now, let me give you a tip of how to do this. There on your outline, I gave you seven different scriptures. I encourage you maybe to to put it in a Word document and print it out, put it by your bed, or maybe you take each of these scriptures, you put it on a little three-by-five index card, set those beside your bed, and so as soon as you open up your eyes, you just reach over, you grab one of those cards, and you read that scripture. I, I put one of them there on your outline as an example. Psalm 118, verse 24, it says this. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. Isn't this cool? You haven't even gotten out of bed yet. And your day's already started off the right way because you've acknowledged God. Look at Deuteronomy 4.39. It says, Acknowledge and take heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven. And above and on the earth below, like him, there is no other. Man, what, what a great way to get your day started. So number one, what do you need to do every day? When you open your eyes, you need to what? Shout it, right. Number two, then, you need to feel it. You need to feel it. You need to be reminded every day how crazy in love God is with you. And the reason that this is important is not everybody is as crazy in love with you as what God is. You're going to encounter people every day that they just don't like you. You know, the old 80-20 principle works here. 80% of people love you. They think that you're great. But 20% of people, nope. They don't like you at all. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you say. They still don't like you. These are people that they wish you harm. They would like to see you fail. And, you know, it's so easy to get caught up and think that the whole world's against me. Well, no, it's just that 20% that's against you. But yet when we hear negative things in our life, it's just so easy to get down. And so that's why every single day we need to take a little bit of time where we just acknowledge that if nobody else loves me, at least God does. You need to every morning feel his love. You know how I do this? I do it in the shower. I sing. Yeah. Oh, my. (laughs) Those of you maybe that are new here, you know that I'm not a good singer. You want to know why we keep the music so loud here at Exponential? So you can't hear me singing. In the shower. (laughs) Oh, man. And I'm not just singing anything. You know what I sing? I sing songs like what we sang this morning. But this is amazing grace. That that God would love me so much that he would come and he would send his son to die for me. I I sing songs about God's great love for me and and what he's done for me. And man, as I feel that water pouring down on me, that's a reminder that God's love pours down on me. As I feel the warmth of that water, I'm reminded that, that God is warm towards me. Sometimes I I take, like, the most ridiculously long showers because I'm just lost in worship there, naked as a jaybird, just singing away. That's a visual you didn't want today. (laughs) We get this, like, big hot water bill. Why? Because I'm worshiping. on, Gilbert. Maybe if you didn't shower so much, you would have a little bit more hair than what you do. <laughs> be careful, or you end up on my twenty percent list. But anyway, that's that's beside the point. Seriously, what I'm saying is, every single day, you you've got to have something that reminds you of how much God loves you. It doesn't have to be in the shower, but. Just take some time. Maybe you get out your iPod or your iPad or you go to your computer and you just plug in some earbuds and you, you put some music on and you just listen. You know, every week in your outline there in your program, we put all the song names that we do here at Exponential. If you jump on YouTube, you can like watch other bands and the original bands do all the songs that we do. And, you know, I think it was Friday and then yesterday, the, the new song that we did the, today I, like, watch, like, 20 different bands cover that song. I mean, I just, all day long, I'm, like, just listening, listening, listening. Now, again, you don't have to do it all day long like like I did, but at least take a couple minutes every single morning to have some sort of song that's in your heart that reminds you of God's love for you. And this is scriptural. Psalm 59, verse 16, it says this, "'As for me, I will sing about your power.'" Each when, each what? Each morning I will sing uh, with joy about your unfailing love. Got to have that song that sort of sticks with you all day long. Now, isn't this cool? I mean, you've only been awake now for maybe 10, 15 minutes at the most. And you've already connected with God. You've acknowledged who he is. You've shouted it. And, and you've, you've just acknowledged who he is, and now you've felt his loving embrace through a song, through music in some way. Next then, number three, hide it. You need to hide it. What I mean by this is you need to read God's Word. You need to meditate on God's Word. Hopefully you're even memorizing God's Word, getting it into your heart. And it's important that you do this first thing in the morning. At least get a little bit of God's Word before you walk out the door. Now, maybe you'll spend a lot more time in the evening like studying and reading more in depth, but at least a little bit of God's Word every single morning. Why? Because you want whatever Scripture you read to to lead you and guide you and direct you throughout the rest of the day. You want to sort of be reflecting on this throughout the day. You know, many people, they, they walk out the door... And they don't bring their sword with them. You are going. what do you mean by that? Well, God's word says this, that our offensive weapon, the only offensive weapon that we have against Satan is his word. This is our sword to defeat the enemy. Many of you walk out and you've, you've left it behind. You have, have nothing that's going to help you throughout the day. Say, well, why is this important? Well, look at Psalm 119, verse 11. It says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. That's why we memorize God's word. In fact, this is the first verse that I encourage people to memorize. I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. If if you wait, you know, the devil comes and tempts you with something. And you're like, well, devil, I know there's probably a scripture verse about that, but wait until I go home and look that up. And then, oh, well, okay, devil, here's what God's word. It's too late. It's too late. You've got to know God's word. You hide it in your heart. So get a little bit of his word in your life every single day. And here's why this is important. Our society says that this book, the Bible, is not relevant anymore. That it has nothing to speak to your life. But nothing could be further from the truth. It's just as relevant today as the day that it was written. And see, how you view the Bible will determine the value of the Bible in your life. You see, if you see this as just another book, that it's no different than the writings of Shakespeare, let's say, then every morning you should probably just get up and read sports scores or the side of the shampoo bottle or something. But if you start to see that, no, this is truly the word of God to me, that this is God's love letter that he's given to me, then you'll make it a high priority to spend time with God every day. And first thing in the morning that, man, I have got to get some of this in me. I've got to know what it says before I walk out the door you know what's amazed me now in 20 plus years that I've been a follower of Jesus is how many quote unquote Christians say, well, I don't read the Bible. You know what their number one excuse is for why they don't read the Bible? What what do you think it is? What's the number one excuse that people have for not reading the Bible? I don't have time, right? But what I want you to realize this morning is if that's your excuse for not reading the Bible, that's all it is is an excuse. Because we will make time for the things that we've deemed to be important. It's amazing how many people don't have time to read their Bible, but yet they can sit down every night and watch a couple hours of TV. And again, realize if that's you, just call it what it is. That it's just an excuse. It's a lame excuse, but it's an excuse. And what you're really saying is that that fictional TV character, or that sports team, is more important to me than what God is. So don't let me hear that excuse anymore. I just simply don't have time. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Now here's the second excuse that people give, and this one's a little bit legitimate. People say, I've tried to read it, but I what? I don't understand it. Now, again, I've been a Father of Jesus over 20 years. I've been a pastor now for over 14 years. I have a degree in biblical preaching. So if anybody should know God's word, I, I've read the Bible cover to cover now probably 20 sometimes. Anybody knows that I should know it, but yet I can be honest with you this morning and say there's still parts of this book that confuses me. So don't allow the parts that confuse you to stop you from reading it. Mark Twain actually said it this way one time. He said, it's not the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that concern me. He said, it's the parts of the Bible that I do understand that concerns me. In other words, there's going to be a lot of things that you do understand and that you need to apply. And he's like, man, I don't know that I'm always applying those things, and that bothers me. So I want to encourage you, just keep reading it. If it makes sense, do it. If it doesn't make sense, ask Bill. <laughs> no, seriously, if it doesn't make sense, ask someone in your life group. Or ask one of the pastors. Ask somebody that maybe is a little bit further down the road than you are. Hey, I read this and it doesn't quite make sense. You know, well, what, what does this mean? If they don't know, then they'll find somebody. Eventually you'll get to it. So what I want to do is, because th- this is the most important part, is, is to get a little bit of God's Word in you every day, I want to give you a couple tips that will make this a little bit easier for you. So if you're taking notes there, letter A, make sure you read a Bible that's translated into today's English. You know, a common myth for a lot of people is that, well, the only English version of the Bible that we're allowed to read is the King James Version because it's the authorized version. And there are, there are literally some people that say that's the only version that you're allowed to read in English. Because they think that it was the first one that was translated in English. But again, that's a myth. Did you know that the King James Version was actually the ninth translation into English? And you know why King James commissioned that another Bible be written? Because he couldn't understand the other eight. Eight. He's like, I need something that speaks in my language today. And so he commissioned these Greek and Hebrew scholars to write a a more modern version. And so in the 1600s, this was cutting edge. I mean, this was a great version. But let's face it, none of us speak the king's English anymore. When was the last time you used a word like thee or thou or those in just everyday conversation? Here's an example. In the book of Acts, in the King James, there's this one scripture that says that Paul went to fetch a compass. What's that make it sound like he went to do? Get a compass, right? You know what that means? In the old king's English, it means that you went to set sail on a ship. Now, if you read that in the King James, would you have ever picked that up? Would you have known that that's what that meant? No. So, It's already difficult enough to understand the Bible as it is, so don't handicap yourself by reading it in an outdated version. So here's what I encourage you to do. Get like the NIV, the New International Version, or the CEV, the Contemporary English Version, or the NLT, New Living Translation. Read it in something that's written in a little bit more modern times, and it'll make it a little bit easier for you. Letter B then. Don't feel compelled to start reading from the very beginning. You know, all your life you've been taught that when you get a book, you open it up to the first page and you work your way through to the last page. And so a lot of people think that that's how you read the Bible, but it's not because this isn't a book. This is a compilation of books and letters that have been compiled into one book. It's actually 66 different books, 39 books we call the Old Testament, 27 books that we call the New Testament. And what you need to do is you need to start reading in the New Testament. That's the story about Jesus, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, the starting of the church and the spread of Christianity throughout the then known world. That's where you start, because once you understand that better, then it'll make sense to go back to the Old Testament and start reading about some of the things there. But what a lot of people do is they start at the beginning of the Bible because they think, well, that's how you read a book. And, you know, Genesis is an awesome book to read. If you've never read Genesis, I would encourage you to read that because it's got drama. It's got intrigue. You don't need TV when you read the book of Genesis. I mean, everything you see on TV, it's in Genesis and sometimes even worse than what they show on TV. I mean, it's fascinating, you know, history. And so you get through Genesis, and you're like, oh, good, I'm reading the Bible. And then you get like halfway through Exodus, and things are still chucking along, and you're going good. Then it starts to slow down a little bit. You get into Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, and they start talking about infectious skin diseases and animal sacrifices and what to do when you're on your period, ladies. And it's like, whoa, man, what in the world is this all about? I mean, it's all in there, but you're like, why am I reading this? And it starts talking about, like, you know, how to build the temple. And it's like every make it out of this fiber and this color and this dimensions. And you're like, oh, (laughs) this is boring. And many people give up and they stop. And so, again, what I'm saying is don't start at the beginning. Start in the New Testament. Read through that, and then go back and pick up on some of the other stuff, because then it'll make so much more sense to you. Letter C, then. My goal should not be for me to get all the way through the Bible, but to get the Bible all the way through me. In other words, I would rather you read one verse every single day and understand it and apply it to your life than to read three or four chapters or read for an hour and not understand anything and not really applying anything. This isn't a race to get all the way through it. This is about life change. God wants to change your life, and He's given you instructions of how to do that right in here. And so if you need to read it slowly, then read it slowly. Do whatever it takes to make sure that you're applying God's Word to your life. Now, I'm not saying that you should never read the Bible in its entirety, but what I want to do is relieve some of you of the guilt that you have that, oh, I don't read enough of it every day. Jesus said this. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He doesn't want time that he has given to you in his love letter to be a burden. I mean, think about any relationship that you have in life. If it starts to feel like a burden, then you like, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. Again, remember, Jesus doesn't want your rules. He doesn't want your religion. He doesn't want your rituals. He just wants a relationship. And again, this is his love letter to you. And so if you're reading the love letter and it starts to feel like a burden, then something's not quite right. But yet he does want you to read it. So here's what I'd encourage you to do. Start out slow. If you haven't been reading the Bible every day, just start out slowly. Pick a verse, pick two verses, take just one minute a day, read a little bit of his word. And hopefully that'll whet your appetite to start reading a little bit more. Or maybe some of you, you've got a smartphone and you've downloaded the Uversion app, which shows everything that we do on the screen and everything. Well, did you know it does much more than just that? The version app actually has literally dozens and dozens of Bible translations that are in there. And there are thousands of devotionals that you can get right on your phone. And here's the cool part, and I do this myself. Each devotional will allow you to set a little reminder so that your phone vibrates every day at a certain time that you choose. And it says, don't forget to do your devotional today. And so you get your phone. There it is right there on your phone. It takes, you know, maybe five minutes or so that you can read that day's devotional. Maybe some of you will go out and you'll buy what's called the, the one-minute Bible. And what this does is it gives you little passages in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And every day it only takes a minute to read it. And You read through it. You spend some time in God's Word. For others of you, maybe what you're going to do is you're going to do the old Proverbs trick. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. So what a lot of people do is every single day they just look at the calendar and they say, okay, today's the 13th of the month, so I'm going to read Proverbs chapter 13. If it's the 24th of the month, you read Proverbs chapter 24. So it's an easy way just to remember where you're at and going through. What I'm saying is every day you've got to get a little bit of God's word into your heart and into your life. Here's one other thing I'd suggest to you. Keep a Bible in your bathroom, going, Gilbert. I, I don't know. In, in the bathroom, I mean. Hey, you got to spend time in there anyway. You might as well make it productive time, right? <laughs> but, Gilbert, I don't know. It's listen. God knows what you look like naked. He He created you, so He already knows that. He knows how all the plumbing works. All right, so He's not grossed out by it. So while you're sitting there doing your business, read your Bible. Spend some time with God. Psalm one nineteen one sixty five has a great promise for those that read his word on a daily basis and you fall in love with his word. It says, those who love your teachings will find true peace and nothing will defeat them. Again, God's Word has the answer to every single thing in life that you're going through. But you got to read it. and Then you got to obey it. Number four. Here's the fourth thing you need to do every day. So we said that you need to what? You need to shout it. You need to feel it. You need to hide it. Number four, you need to say it. What I mean by this is just take some time to talk to God through prayer. And this is another area that... You know, don't get hung up on the amount of time that you're praying every day. Your prayers don't have to be long in order to be powerful and to be intimate and and connected to God. this is another area that I struggled for years, especially once I became a pastor, because my first pastor is a guy that he is a morning person, and he's up early. And there's other sort of pastors that I sort of looked at and sort of was emulating that these guys are up at like 4 a.m. every single day. And you know why they're up at 4 a.m.? To pray. And they're down on their knees for three hours praying before they go into the office. And so I thought, well, to be a good Christian, to to be a good pastor, I'm going to have to get up at 4 a.m. and be on my knees for three hours praying. You know what happened on my knees with my eyes closed? (laughs) I'm not a morning person. So you know what I did next? I was like, all right, I'm going to put on some clothes. I'm going to take a walk through the neighborhood. So I'd be like walking through the neighborhood. Why? Because walking was the only way that would keep me awake. But you know what? It felt like a burden. I didn't want to do it. And I felt so guilty about that, that, man, God, I I want to talk to you, but I'm just not like these other guys. Here's the other thing that I struggle with, and maybe some of you struggle with it as well. Has there ever been a time that you're like praying for someone or something and your mind just keeps getting distracted to something else? Take it by all the yeses I'm hearing that, yeah. Yeah, And I read a book many years ago, and it was so freeing. It completely revolutionized my prayer life. I'd encourage you to read it. I put it there on your outline. It's called Too Busy Not to Pray by Bill Hybels. And here's what Bill said. When you're praying and your mind gets distracted to something else, maybe that's God saying to you, that's what you need to be praying about right now. Wow. Wow. Wow, man, did that change? for? So, you know, I'd be praying for somebody and all of a sudden, you know, like a meeting that I had later on the day would pop into my mind. Now I have the freedom just to stop and pray for the meeting. And when I'm done praying for that, I go back and continue praying for that person. Or maybe I'm praying about something that I need to do that day. But then somebody's name or face pops in my mind. Instead of beating myself up about, oh, no, I'm praying about this thing right now. I just start praying for that person. And when I'm done praying for him. I go back and start praying for what I've been praying for prior to that. Again, once I learned that principle, that whatever is flashing through my mind at the time is something that I can be praying about, completely changed not just my prayer life, but my whole life. Because now I'm doing what I think the Apostle Paul was talking about when he said that we should pray without ceasing. So now as I walk through life and I see someone or I see something, I just, real quick, I'll just pray a little prayer for them. Boom, 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 praying prayers. Something pops into my mind just completely out of the blue, I I pray for it. And it's been amazing through the years now that God will put a name or a face into my mind that it's just like, I don't even know why it's there, but I'll pray for him. And then there's been, I'm, I'm guessing at least a dozen times, that later that same day that person will call out of the complete blue saying, I've got this situation going on. And it's just so cool to be able to tell them God already knows. This didn't catch God by surprise. He knows and he loves you and he cares for you. Some have called this practicing the presence of God. That we need to get to the place in our life where Literally, we recognize that God is always there. And we're just practicing being in His presence. And God, what would you have for me to do now? What would you have for me to say now? Where would you have me to go right now? And you just have this constant communication with Him. cool thing is, the more time you spend with God in His presence, the more you learn about who He is. And the more you learn about who He is, the more you want to become like him and the more devoted to him you become. So as I start to wrap up today, let me just challenge you. Take one of these four things that we talked about today and make a commitment that tomorrow when I get up, I'm going to start doing this. Just going to start doing one of them. And then as you get that one as a habit, then start a second one. And then get that as a habit, start the third and then the fourth. Now, I know some of you are anxious to get all four of them started. Go ahead and do it. Don't let it be a burden. But if you can get all four of them started tomorrow, then go ahead and do it. But just take some time with God every day, acknowledging who He is, feeling His love, reading just a little bit of His Word, and then talking to Him through prayer. I guarantee if you will start to do these four things, your day will get off to a better start and it will make the rest of your day so much better. But you know what I see so often? I see many Christians walking around that they're living powerless lives. Why? Because they're just simply not connected to God. They get up and it's all about their agenda and they're out the door and they're doing their thing. They're not walking in his power. They're not walking in his presence. See, so many Christians that are are spiritually malnourished. You know, I think I've shared this with you before, but it's so powerful. If you came to me and said, Gilbert, actually, let me do it the other way. Let me say I came to you and said, you know what? Every Wednesday, I go out to one of the all-you-can-eat buffets here in uh, Harrisburg, and I just pig out. I mean, I eat and I eat and I eat and I eat. But then the rest of the week, I don't eat anything. So Wednesday, I eat a lot. Thursday, I'm still so full from the day before. I'm okay. Friday, I'm starting to get a little bit hungry. I'm starting to feel a little bit weak. And then Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, I'm like, oh, I've got no energy at all. And I'm so hungry. What would you recommend to me? Eat when? When? Every day you go, Gilbert, you big dummy. Can't just eat one day and expect that that's going to last you all week long. Got to eat a little bit every day. Well, guess what? So many Christians are spiritually malnourished because they think that, oh, we're going to come in here on Sunday. Gilbert's going to feed us a good old buffet. And then that's going to last me all week long. You know what I want to say to you? You big dummy. <laughs> Eat a little bit every day. Don't allow me to be your connection to God. It's not my job to feed you. It's your job to feed yourself. It's your job to get connected to God yourself. So you've got to wake up and acknowledge Him. And you've got to feel His love. And you've got to get in His Word. And you've got to pray. You've got to talk to Him. Now be honest here. What I talked about first couple seconds, listening to maybe one song, maybe a minute or two or five in the Bible, a couple minutes praying. What are we talking? Fifteen minutes at the most. How many would say, "I got to be honest, what you talked about today, it is doable. It's doable." But will you do it? Will you do it? If you will, here's the promise that we find in Scripture. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. It says, Oh, the joys of those who delight in doing everything that God wants them to do. Day and night, they're always meditating on his laws and thinking about what it says to follow him more closely. They are like trees along a riverbank bearing luscious fruit each season without fail. Their leaves shall never wither, and all they do shall prosper. Man, that is a beautiful picture of what it is to be connected to God. One last thought then. It's time. It's time. It's time for you to start putting these principles into practice. It's time for you to stop feeling guilty about your devotional life with God. It's time for you to stop making excuses it's time to shout it, it's time to feel it, it's time to hide it, it's time to say it. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this day and this opportunity to gather together to worship you where we even sang about shouting about how great and awesome you are. And God, thank you for your word and, and how practical it is, that it gives us sort of the, the recipe, the, the roadmap so to speak, of what a good day with you looks like. And Lord, as we saw here this morning, those first couple moments of every day, we have a choice to make. Is it going to be about me and my agenda? Or is it going to be about recognizing you for who you are and feeling your love and spending some time with you and building a relationship with you through the reading of your word and through prayer, just talking back to you? God, I pray this morning that we would make the right choice. Lord, we know that your word says that we're not to just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word as well. And so, Father, help us to just do what it is that we talked about today, to do these very, very simple things each and every morning. So, Lord, let it start tomorrow. It is time. It's time for our lives to be different. It's time for us to spend an entire day with you. And it starts with that connection in the morning. So help us to do that. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.